Coming up on It's Called Soccer, I'm going to tell you all why it's time to stop pointing the finger at Lukaku for yesterday's loss. Stay tuned to find out why next. Welcome back to It's Called Soccer. I'm your host, Michael. I just want to send a personal thank you message to you, the one who tapped the play button on this episode. Alright, now for today's business. At first glance, it's super easy to look at the way he performed. In particular, the five misses and blame the fact that Belgium didn't get to go on to advance on Lukaku's lack of ability to find the back of the net. But let's be real here. It really should not have come down to that, and I'm going to explain why. So first off, when the World Cup is played mid-season, squad selection should always come down to who's in form heading into the tournament. There are no warm-up games, and for the most part, no friendlies. So you have to be ready with your best squad as soon as the tournament starts. Now for Lukaku... He has only played less than 270 minutes. And I think it was like 266. And his last game was August 13th, which was 110 days before yesterday's collapse. 110 days. And in that game, it was only a game where he was subbed on for 20 minutes. He didn't even start the game. So the man was not in any sort of recognizable form and he was not even fit to play because he was battling a hamstring injury. Now, the fault lies with their manager, Mr. Martinez. And and his fault is he's the one who picked the squad that he picked to play a way that he's never played before. And we'll talk about the formation that he chose a little bit later. But he is the one who chose Lukaku, knowing he wasn't in good form, knowing he wasn't getting minutes, knowing the way that he wanted to play this tournament. And the expectations have been sky high for Belgium. And, you know, for good reason. To say they are just talented is a gross, disgusting understatement. There are eight players in this current squad who are the eight most capped Belgian players of all time. So you're talking about a group of dudes that know how to get it done. They also finished third at the 2018 World Cup in Russia. And the only team to beat them in the Euro 2020 tournament is the team that went on to win it all, which was Italy. So you have Belgium finishing third in Russia at the World Cup and then they only lose in the Euros to the team that wins it all. This is a talented group. I wanted to make sure I laid that out first before we continue.
Okay. So Belgium is way too reliant on Lukaku for goal scoring. When you look at Belgium in the World Cup, they have scored one goal on 34 shots in three games. Let those numbers sink in because I don't think you heard what I just said. One goal on 34 shots in three games. Tactically, they were already in unfamiliar territory, as I alluded to earlier. They normally run a 3-4-3, and for some reason, they decided they wanted to play a 4-2-3-1 with Trossard playing as their number nine heading into this game. They tried the same thing with Batshuayi as a number nine against Morocco, and we saw how that ended. So, to be fair to Trossard, my earlier point about being in form and heading into this tournament with your best players, he was in red-hot form heading into this tournament, but he's not a number nine. Batshuayi's problem and Trossard's problem were both the same. They failed to be able to do any hold-up play, and they also failed to get in behind. So in this win-or-go-home game versus Croatia, Belgium was every bit of what I said they were on yesterday's episode. I said they were old and slow. That's it, period. The fact that they brought Lukaku in comes down to the fact that he was needed because so much of what they were trying to do relies on what Lukaku does best, and that's hold-up play and getting in behind. And it's sad to say this, but a less-than-half-fit and out-of-form Lukaku seemed to be a much better option for Belgium than a fully fit Michy Batshuayi and a fully fit Trossard heading into this game. But that's also something that wasn't a really good sign for Belgium. But there's absolutely zero doubt that Belgium play better. They did play better once he came to the game. That's that's not up for debate. That fact alone shows just how good of a player Lukaku is. Given his level of fitness, though, it was doomed for disaster. But I want you to remember this. This guy has scored 51 times in 52 games for Belgium. I don't think you heard what I said. 51 goals in 52 games for Belgium. That is much better than than other guys that people rate way better than they rate Lukaku. But his numbers, they speak for themselves. All right, so let's get into these misses. So Lukaku's first shot came after being in the game for just two minutes in the 47th. And it came because Lukaku was able to execute Martinez's plan. And that is use that big body for some hold-up play and get your back against the defender. There was a cross that came in, and it came in far post. 
And it wasn't considered a great pass because KDB was like leaning backwards when he crossed it in. But the fact that the ball even got on target shows you the quality of player Lukaku was. The second shot came in the 59th minute. And the shot came off of a rebound from a missed chance created by Carrasco. And it landed on Lukaku's right foot. And anybody who has watched any sort of Belgium soccer, they know that Lukaku is a heavily reliant player on that left foot. So he chooses to go for power for whatever reason. And he's being closed down by um, their center back. And I I don't want to mess his name up. So I'm just going to call him Josco. And the shot just ended up hitting the right post off of his right foot. Again, not his best way to be. The third shot came in the 62nd minute. And even if the shot would have gone in, VAR would have erased the goal. KDB actually dribbled the ball across the byline before crossing it back into Lukaku for a header. But the shot missed anyway. Um, That dribble out of bounds was similar to the goal that Japan actually ended up scoring against Spain. The fourth shot, it happens in the 86th minute. And it comes from like a, a hot potato type pass after it's crossed in to Munye. And he passed it first time to Lukaku. And it's, to be honest, it's less of a shot. And it's more like the ball just hit Lukaku's leg and rolled off of it. And of course, it goes wide right. Again, just an unlucky scenario for Lukaku. The fifth and final shot, it comes in the 89th minute. And it's from another cross to the far post. This time, it's a perfectly played cross from Torgan Hazard. But Lukaku makes a critical mistake and he decided to take a touch with his chest before just trying to shoot it. And instead of a well-placed header, he whiffed. It ends up going wide right and instead of going into the back of the net. But even after all of these misses, I still say that these chances aren't even created if this dude is not in the game. They go from trash chances being created with Trossard to clear-cut goal-scoring opportunities. The ball just didn't find the back of the net. And that is all I have to say about that, as the great philosopher uh, Forrest Gump would say. So I want to thank you again for listening to me defend one of my favorite players in the world. Uh, If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving me a rating on Spotify and Apple Music, uh, preferably five stars. It helps the show a lot. And remember, the voicemail line is open and I would absolutely love to connect with you, the listener. So please leave me a message. I'll catch you guys next time. Later.